Before we do that, let us say this. There are many galactic beings who are present when Wendy does this work. And when they blend their energy with ours, with Wendy's, what will happen is in the encoding is the information of how they have walked the path that you're currently on. There may be a frequency that they struggled with at an individuated level or at a collective level, and they are sharing the how-to. It's like somebody giving you a recipe. If you've never baked a cake and you, you're not really sure what goes in it and you're not really sure what to do with the ingredients, not the best cake ever. But if somebody gives you a recipe you can follow, uh, you know, it's, it's much, much easier. And so that's what happens. And you might notice as we do the activation that the energy will shift. And it's these beings, sometimes it's not just one, it's not one collective. There may be a hundred collectives that are blended. So the energy can be very, very different. Wendy Kennedy, welcome on the show. What are you most excited about right now in your life? You know, there's just so much potential right now. And I think when we look at at the state of the world that sometimes it's hard to see, but as I've been on this journey, I've been working with the guides for 28 years now. And the things that they talked about at the beginning I'm now starting to see come to pass and I'm seeing more and more people who are awakening, more and more people who are looking inside for answers and people who are ready for a change. And while on the outside, it might look a bit chaotic, you know, we have to sometimes break things down in order to build things anew and we're in that phase. So we're entering into a very rich time where there's lots of potential for creative expression. So that's really exciting to me. Yes. And it's almost like we're moving through different frequencies, transmuting. And, you know, to open the space, there was really a moment in your life where you started to pick up on subtle energies. And sort of this, I guess, clairsentient ability opened you up to a whole new dimension, a whole new world where you began to access information from other sources, basically having your own personal Google um, at your fingertips <laughs> whenever you want. And it's beautiful to see because right now in the global landscape, we're facing a lot of, we said before, before starting recording, a lot of dense energy is going on right now. And a lot of people are seeing the news and they're, you know, reading things and they, they can see that, but when it comes down to a subtle energy frequency, what are you feeling right now? And what is sort of humanity moving through at this moment? There's still a lot of fear in the collective about the future, what's going to happen. And, you know, this is one thing that my guides keep me focused on is just coming back to the now, not worrying so much what's going to happen in a month, two months, and, and just focusing on how do I want to feel right now? And that's where I've tried to stay in, not so much picking up on the chaos of the collective because, I mean, it's it's one thing to know that it's there, but I don't want to live in that space. I don't want to perpetually connect with that energy. I want to hold a higher resonance and really try to focus on being as present as I possibly can and then choosing the frequencies that I want to embody. How do I want to feel right now? because my my future will form around that. So if I wanna feel peace as I move forward, then I have to feel it now in this moment and and 
you know, that's, that's the guide's biggest message over the last few decades that really hasn't changed. Yes, they, they've been pretty consistent with, with the messages that they're putting out. So really, what do you think is the overarching lesson that they want humanity to know right now? that we're far more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. We often give our power away to other people. And now it's time for us to kind of come back to our center, come back to our place of power, our awareness of our true divine nature, and start creating from that space as opposed to creating out of a reaction to whatever is happening outside. We're, we're just we're in that reactive phase instead of that creative phase where we choose how we're feeling and then we shape our reality from that frequency. So I think that's probably the message that they keep coming back to again and again and again. They talk a lot about the subtleties in the process of manifestation and they also want us to focus on the frequencies as opposed to the form because where we're going, we don't have a reference point at least visually, for what the new systems, the new patterns are going to look like. So we have to start building from frequency. Mm. And that's the other thing that they want us to be aware of. Because if we keep looking around in this old limited box for yeah. you know, what it is that we want to create, we're going to be hard-pressed. Hmm. So it's, it is really about working with that subtle energy, working with that subtle frequency. And that takes practice. So the other message that, they, that they'll share is that, you know, if you don't have a practice, get one. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to sit in meditation for hours. It just means that you have to more often as you go through your day, become aware of where you are, where are you vibrating, what thoughts are you holding, what emotions are you holding, what's happening physically. And then if it's not of a high vibrational nature, it's making that adjustment and coming back to your center. Yeah. And this is even not just a new paradigm for the way we see the world, but it's also a new paradigm of science. One of the sort of teachings that I've integrated from people like Joe Dispenza is that in the old science, we used to think that matter and form used to give off a frequency. And now what we know through quantum physics is that the frequency is what sort of dense makes it, you know, travels lighter and lighter and lighter until it becomes form until it becomes matter so as you just said we build from frequency and then we see the outer world so yes. what can you expand on on that with the new science well i mean i think that's just exactly it you know we've we've got it a little backwards we think yeah. that the external is is kind of first in the process of of creation or what we see as being real and and really it's about the subtle energy um, being manifest into gross energy, you know, so as we make that shift in our consciousness, then we can start to really manipulate reality. It's, it's not so much that we're trying to move the external, we're shifting the internal because our energetic template creates the template for our physical body. You know, that's, that's the first thing that we're manifesting, this vehicle that we're using. And then also the world that is around us and the frequencies that we hold will also determine what we see in the world and, and how we see what is going on. Um, because it's, it's kind of in a neutral state until we look at it and then it will change form for us, um, which we know through, you know, the double split, uh, double slit experiment. Yeah. So, um, you know, science is, is finally starting to catch up with some of this that that we've known for thousands and thousands of years, but it just all got dismissed. 
and we're kind of bringing all that information back online. Yeah. And let's talk about the ninth dimensional Pleiadians because the ones that came through for you in 1994, you started doing automatic writing and receiving messages from there until at one point you were ready to start verbalizing. And that's when these Pleiadians came into your life and said, we're ready to work with you. So going back to who these guides, who these beings are that are coming through, I'd love to learn about your perspective on what is their mission right now and why are they coming down for humanity at this moment and helping us sort of get these new perspectives and teachings. Well, I actually work with a lot of different beings and they tend to be galactic oriented. So from, from different star systems, but once I started channeling verbally, the ninth dimensional Pleiadian collective took point and they're a group of about 2,600 beings of light. They don't have physical form and rather than incarnate to a planet, they actually align with the blueprint or the mission, if you will, of a stellar body. So in their case, it's, uh, Alcyone or Alcyon, however you want to say it, or Al Alcyon, lots of, lots of ways I've heard it. So their mission really is about record keeping and they're here to help us to become stewards of the planet. So that's, that's why they're here now. There is an aspect of my soul that is part of that group. So that's why I've contracted to work with them in this lifetime to bring through their messages. Um, but there are many, many stellar beings who are here to do the very same thing because what's going on here on this planet right now will impact the entire universe. As we go through this ascension process, it'll have a ripple effect because earth is a grand experiment. We have genetic material from thousands and thousands of worlds. So as we go through an experience, because we're holographic in nature, the information, the experience is then shared more directly. It's actually shared with the entire universe, but for beings that have a genetic connection, it's shared more directly. It's more easily accessible to those beings. So as they're going through their day, they can tap into that energy in a more direct way and it can alter their experiences as well. So it will have a ripple effect. And as we go through this ascension process, we are able to access a deeper level of compassion. And as we do that, that is our gift to the universe. And that's, that's also something that the guides focus on quite a bit, talking about our gift of compassion, because here on earth, it's a very dense planet. It's very, very uh, challenging at times, which to the soul is very exciting um, because it's an adventure, it's a game, and they call Earth the planet of emotion. So if you want to come and learn about emotion, this is this is the school for it. This is where you're going to come. And because of the challenges that we experience, that allows us to access compassion in a very deep way. And the guides say it's even deeper than how they experience it because while they have compassion, it's not the same. They haven't embodied it. They, they haven't embodied the challenge in the way that we have. So when we access compassion, there's a, a greater bandwidth to it, if you will. So, you know, they, um, they always remind us that that is a gift and that is something that we actually bring to the game, bring to the party, bring to the universe. Living in the game of duality and of polarity. And, you know, you've had many interesting experiences as a channeler, but some information from you came out 
publicly recently about a walk-in experience that you went through. Um, I was wondering if you would want to open up about that because a lot of people that may have been following you for many years may have not been aware of this experience that you, Wendy Kennedy, went through in your personal life. Well, I didn't have memory of it until I was much later in, you know, until I was a little bit older. Um, and I started having more recall of things. And it was always very interesting because um, growing up and as I, I got a little older and my brother would have sessions with intuitives and psychics, and they always thought that there were three children and they're just the two of us. And <laughs> my mom's like, don't ask me, ask your father, because it's not me. And then as I started having more and more memories, it made sense to me because um, in those memories, I had been taken aboard a ship and they were doing some experiments on my body, and which I had contracted to do, I had agreed to do. And in the process of doing that, the soul that was in the body stepped out and I stepped in because the body had basically died. Huh. So, um, and I was pretty young when that happened, which is, is somewhat unusual for walk-ins. They typically come in a little later in life because yeah. the soul doesn't need to go through childhood, which is why it doesn't incarnate in a body in, in the first place. But I chose to do that and um, it Do you remember sense, that like, choice consciously? Um. Only when I go in and I, I look at my records and things, um, mm. because I have had some memories of, of things that surface. And, and here's the tricky part is you start to remember other lifetimes and you remember contracts that you have made. It's very difficult because it's not the same as the experience that you can touch and feel and see. And that's what we really label as real. But then we're left with all of the emotions, all of the thoughts that come along with it. But but the way that we experience it is slightly different. And the one thing that the guides recommended for me as I went through it is, is not to try to, you know, pull it apart and try to make complete logical sense of it because I, I'm not standing at a vantage point where I can see all of that very clearly. I can mm -hmm. get bits and pieces of it. Um but just to process what's coming up because chances are pretty good that whatever is coming up for you has also been played out in another area of your life. And that's what we're here to do is to integrate that stuff, to let that stuff go. Um, so some of the confusion, um, some of the um, upset that I had because my, my first thought when I stepped into this body and I always have this image is kind of like this skin suit on a hanger and <laughs> somebody going, what am I supposed to do with this? It's broken. <laughs> so the first thought I had was that I have to heal my body. There's something wrong with my body. Mm. And so that thought came up a lot in terms of health and healing. And it made more sense once I started to have memories of walking into the body and, and that energy. And then there were, um, you know, just having implants put in and dealing with the frustration and the upset of that. Um, so, you know, there, there can be a lot of things that come up for people when they start to have those memories. And the best thing to do is just to deal with the emotion. <laughs> if it's frustration, yeah. there's frustration probably in some other aspect of your life. So process that energy here and now. Yeah. And we're talking about a couple hundred years ago, I don't believe that people 
we're accessing their other aspects and multidimensionality as we are now. So it's really interesting that you're, you went through that and a lot of other people probably even listening to this show are remembering things from other lifetimes and sort of having to reconcile with that and knowing that there was a soul contract, knowing that there was something more and a purpose to all of that. So why do you believe that humanity is accessing this multidimensionality? You talked about a, well, the, the Pleiadians also talked about a sort of energetic band that we're going through right now as a galaxy or in, in space. So is that influencing the multidimensionality that we're accessing right now? It is because we're going through a, a sector of space that's rich with photonic energy. And it's kind of like a, a start and a finish line on a track, except we're not staying on the same plane. We're kind of spiraling up. Spiral and dynamics. We're still, hmm. Yes. <laughs> so we're crossing this plane and it allows us to access higher frequencies. So we have the support of this sector space that we're going through, which when we look back at Atlantis, we were processing a lot of the same stuff that we're processing now, but we just didn't have the energetic support in terms of where we were located in the universe at that time. It wasn't the appropriate time for us to go through that full process of integration, but it gave us a reference point for this time. So I think a lot of people access past life memories now more than they did in, in previous incarnations is because we're we're ready to receive that information because we won't access a past life or a future life for that matter it, unless there is a piece of information that we need that will help us here and now because otherwise it's way too much information and it's just overwhelming for yeah. where our level of consciousness is so when we access memories of a past life it's oftentimes echoing what is going on in this life. And it just gives us a slightly different perspective, a way of seeing the energy in a different way so that we can integrate it here and now. So there may also be a skill, gift, or an ability that we're trying to call in. And we might remember having had it in another lifetime. And then it can more readily unfold within us as we open to the the potential of it being there. Oh, I've done that before. Okay. So I don't have to learn it from scratch. I just have to open up my memory to it. So I think this is why a lot of people are having more awarenesses. And also as we go higher in frequency, we are no longer seeing the same level of separation. We're not perceiving reality from that level. So we are accessing more of that past life information. Yeah, and a lot of people in, in this community talk about this shift of third dimension to fifth dimension. And the piece I've brought through that we're actually living in sort of like a fourth dimensional space where we can access the energies of the third and access the energies of the fifth, depending on where we want to go, basically. So I'd love if you could help break down what are these differences and subtle, subtle frequencies that we shift in because... The fifth dimension, as we've learned also on the show, is that it's not a place, it's a state of being. So how do we sort of shift through these different dimensions throughout our day and how can we leverage that to be in less of separation and more in wholeness? So they kind of describe 3D in terms of densities of having very fixed rules. You know, we live under the illusion of separation and limitation which was amazing to come down and play a game. Because if you don't know what's coming, you you don't see the future, you can't see all the potentials, 
then you're, you're, you're surprised by it. And that's a very different experience than any that you have in any of the other dimensional, um, games, because in five and up, we have the ability at any given moment to perceive ourselves as an individuated consciousness or as a greater part of the collective where here we've just forgotten all of that. So 3D has very fixed rules and so does 5D um, because it's so different in terms of how you operate. You see yourself as more of that collective and you can manipulate reality. You're present in every moment. And, you know, because it the two games were so different, the vibrations were so different, we needed an entire dimensional range in order to transit consciously between the two. So the fourth dimensional game is very malleable. So you can project 3D rules onto it or 5D rules onto it. So as you're going through your day, you might find that you're upset. Um, you know, you're not really happy with a conversation that you just had with your boss or your partner, you just got in an argument or they're not, they're not doing what you're asking them to do or whatever it is. If you've lowered your frequency and you are perceiving things from the perspective of lack, limitation and separation, another way to say that is that you're holding judgment about anything, then you're, you're playing in that 3D pool. You're playing in that 3D game. So as you come back to your heart-centered space, you are allowing yourself to be present in the moment because those are one and the same. If you're heart-centered, you're present. If you're present, you're heart-centered. And in, in that operating system, you are not perceiving things from the state of lack, limitation, and separation. So as you can sustain that, you operate more from that fifth dimensional level. That's when things are really in flow. Things happen very easily with synchronicities. Um, things are very quickly manifest. And we go back and forth as we go out, as we go through our day. The guides describe it as having two operating systems. We have the operating system of the heart, which was meant to access multidimensional information. And then we have the operating system of the ego mind, which is meant to project thoughts of lack, limitation, and separation so we could play this game. The game was, can we go down in frequency, forget who we are, and then can we remember and come out of it? So that's, that's it's a fun game. Doing. If you yeah, think about yeah. it, it's genius. It's like, we're this wholeness. We are this divine, eternal being. Can we forget what we are in order to walk ourselves back to what we truly are? Yeah. And that's why the guides say it's such a fun game to play in. And, you know, most of us are sitting down here going, ah, uh, not so much today, not having the best day. But uh, they say really at the soul level, it is so different from your natural state of being. It's exciting. There are challenges. It's, it's an advanced level of the game. And sometimes we forget that. We think that we're at the very bottom and we have to work our way back up. But truly, we are at the top. We are, we are part of source energy. We're just remembering that's who we are. And we partitioned off that awareness to play in this level of the game. But it takes mastery to play in this game and to go through the ascension process. So it, it's not like we're starting at the very beginning. Um, you know, we've been through this quite a bit. We've been to other systems and we're bringing it here at this time to go through this specific game because it is a grand experiment. Yeah. There are systems that have gone through the ascension process before uh, as, you know, a civilization, as a, as a planet perhaps, 
but never quite in the way that we're going through it with all this genetic material that will impact the entire universe. So it is quite special. Hmm. And I, co I connect fully with the Pleiadians. Um, when I first started hearing about them, it was just like I was drawn to that energy. And, you know, I was wondering if we can open the space for the piece to drop in, give us a, a little message. I have a lot of questions for them as well. Um, if you feel comfortable, we could get right into that. Sure. So one thing I always like to say before I bring them in is that they do work with tone and sound, which is why they were waiting for me to channel verbally, because as you mentioned, I was doing automatic writing and the tones and sounds, it's, it's not any one particular dialect. It's really just open vowels that they can modulate the frequencies with. Yeah. So that's why their dialect is different than my own. Cause people always ask, and I'm from Kansas, so it's not that I'm British <laughs> or Australian or South African or you know, whatever vowel sounds you might hear in there, it's really just the manipulation of frequency. Which yeah, and, and also 2,600 minds in there trying to all mesh their, their energies in a cohesive manner. That's why I, I believe sometimes it comes off. Sometimes it'll sound like an Irish. Sometimes it'll sound like a British, but it's sort of like a cohesion of different frequencies that are coming through when you channel. It's beautiful. Yeah. So the interesting thing when, when, I channel. So the words you might hear are, it's a nice day, but the information that's encoded in the frequencies is that it's, you know, it's 70 degrees. There's a light breeze. The birds are chirping. The grass is green. So there's all this information that is encoded in there that we receive and we pick up in our energetic field. And then we can unpack it. We can read it if we want. It's like downloading a file to the computer. Do you want to open it? Do you want to look at it? Or you just save it for later. Maybe you'll yeah. get to it. Maybe you won't, but it is presented in the frequency. Amazing. Beautiful. All right. So I'll get out of the way and we'll see where we go. Ah, yes, hello, dears. This is the Ninth Dimensional Pleiadian Collective, and it is a pleasure and an honor to have the opportunity to connect with you. So we know that this is a challenging time that you all are going through, but we want to kind of echo what Wendy said at the beginning, is that we're very excited about the period that you're going through because it is rife with potential. There is so much that you can create and create very quickly. You just have to and stay very centered and very focused on the frequencies that you want to manifest and not be so reactive to what is going on outside of you. In other words, not letting the external define who you are, choosing the frequencies that you want to hold and project to, for lack of a better way of saying it, define yourself, all right, to project this version of yourself and what you want to manifest. All right. So we know you've got lots of questions, so we'll just dive in and see where you'd like to begin. How may we best be of service to you? Beautiful. I'd like to start off with the great central sun, Alcyon, that you aligned with. And you've described it sort of as this galactic library that holds and records information. I would love to know the purpose beyond just the library and how you're accessing it, how you're using it to transmit this information for humanity now. So information about anything in the universe can be accessed through any molecule within your body. You're holographic in nature. So what shows up in one cell shows up 
everywhere in the universe. But when you have libraries, the repositories of information, there are beings whose mission it is to be a way shower, to be a librarian of sorts, to help you find something. So think of yourself as being a paperback book. And then um, all of your experiences are encoded in your energetic field. It's easy for you to find. And then Mother Earth is holding all of the knowledge and information for all the inhabitants on her. And then that information is sent to your son. And all of the experiences of all the life in your solar system is contained within the sun. And then for the galaxy, that goes to uh, Alcyone. So we are there to help you find information. What is it that you're looking for? So imagine going into a massive, massive library and you're looking for a specific piece of information. And it can be a little difficult for you sometimes to find it, especially if as a soul you're invested in the information. If you go into a library and you ask the librarian, the librarian can take you to that specific information. They're well-versed in that. So they're just there to be guides, to be facilitators of information. It's not that you can't find it on your own. It just might take a little more time and you might have to do a little more hunting. So that's what we are aligned with. We um, are here to share information as you're looking through your records. We're here to share in part galactic history, but we we started at the beginning to tell you more about that just to open you up to Mm, the greater potential, the greater community that you are a part of. And then we brought it back down to the personal because in order to transform, you really have to work with the personal. So we don't talk so much about the galactic uh, experience these days, although, you know, we might drop a few special nuggets here or there. (laughs) Um, But we're more concerned about you learning to read subtle energy within yourself. And here's the beautiful thing. Once you start to learn to read subtle energy, whether it's um, looking at your own energetic field, your health and well-being, whether it is you wanting to communicate with your guides, whether you want to go into the Akashic records and read information, whether you want to speak with source, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's all learning how to read subtle energy. So once you learn how to do that, then you can open up to any information that you want. It's like learning how to read when you were a child. Then you can read any book you want. All right. So this is where you are at. And this is how we impart work with the library. She is a living uh, consciousness. And we work with her as she absorbs information and holds frequency. And we work with tone and sound, harmonics. We work with frequency to access information. When you get up into some of the higher dimensional ranges, um, the frequencies and, and the records are far more complex, the harmonics that they hold in order to access those frequencies. Um you know, think about just how we exist. We are a group of of about 2,600 beings of light and our energy forms a matrix and we think and speak as as one basically. But at any moment, any of the 2,600 can perceive themselves as an individuated consciousness if they so choose. Most of the time we don't because we'll go off and have an incarnational process for that if we really want it. But we have that awareness and we can align with that in any given moment. Um, but we do work with sound. 
You know, we work with harmonics and frequency and the projection of light in order to manifest and create. Hmm. And with Wendy, we were just touching upon that this is actually a game that we're playing in. And there are certain rules or laws that govern this game. I love to have an overview of what are some of these spiritual laws or metaphysical laws that are governing us right now so that we can learn to tap into that when we're creating and when we're manifesting this reality. Well, some of that is already out there for you, your hermetic principles um, that you're operating, what we call under the laws of attraction and reflection. Um, Because in order to play this game, it was going to be very difficult for you to see what energies you were holding. And so you needed to have it mirrored back to you in order to see the programs as they were manifest. So that's why we call it attraction and reflection. Um, but you are also working, um, under other principles, you're holographic in nature as above, so below. All right. Um, and you know, what you put out, you get back. All right. Usually threefold. All right. Three is a very special number when it comes to, um, this dimension. 12 is also 12 and 13 are also very special numbers. We'll talk about that in just a second, Hmm. but in a dualistic universe, you've got your polarities, you've got positive and negative, and then you've got the neutral point. And that's why in so many religions, you see uh, a trinity, um, whether, you know, it's um, your holy trinity or whether it's a trinity of gods. Um, it is because of the nature of reality as it exists here. And so, you know, there are there are certain things like this, the fabric of the universe, um, because this, as we said, is a dualistic universe. Now, as you go up in dimensional structure, the duality is not as extreme. As you're down in 3D, it's very extreme. So you've got white and black and a thousand shades of gray in between. And then as you get higher in frequency where we are, uh, our extremes might be, you know, white, black with two shades of gray in between. Mm. There's not a lot of variation because we are closer to source energy, our remembrance of our divine nature. And we um, we understand some of these things as we process with frequency, all right, as you are pulsing out light, as you are pulsing out energy, Uh we understand these these basic things. Now, we also mentioned 12. Um, your system is based on 12. At one point, there were 12 planets in your solar system. And um, you will also find that there are, in your ancient stories, a lot of 12 combining to form the one, which gives you 13. 13 is actually quite a power number in your system, but it is oftentimes... <laughs> Um, made to be an unlucky number because there are those who are controlling and manipulating things who do not want (laughs) you to access your memory of power, all right, that the 12 combine to form the one. Um, Say your crystal skulls, your stories about crystal skulls. There are 12 um, um, crystal skulls that energetically combine to form a holographic skull, a 13th which accesses higher dimensional ranges. With the fall of Atlantis, there were 12 groups that went out to um, anchor consciousness, to bury records for future generations, to create libraries of sorts themselves. So 
This has happened over and over and over again, but 12 and 13 are very powerful numbers for you all. Hmm. And another number that I'd love to bring up is the seven, because coming from the Pleiades star system, we've heard in ancient, you know, even from the Sumerian text, the seven sisters um, that came down and lived around uh, in the planet. So what is the sacred nature of that number as well? Well, in some ways, all numbers are sacred because they carry with them um, specific energies. So those who study numerology can tell you more um, if you want to dive in a bit deeper. But it is definitely a number of spirituality, all right, which is, is, is the information that we're bringing, reminding you of your true divine nature. Um, so it is, it's kind of a progression of energy and its development as you move through um it, as you move through the numbers in your base 10, base 10 is not the only mathematics system that's been used on this planet. Um, base six was also used. So if you look back at some of your um, ancient civilizations, they are using different mathematics systems. Um, but the general energy sense, each system will have um, an archetypal energy that will go within that system and in, in how they quantify and qualify it. And this is true throughout um, the universe, there are archetypal patterns that will show up again and again and again. Your 12 zodiacs, see, we're back to 12. Um, so you've got 12 sectors and, and you combine the 12, it gives you one a year. So you wanted to have a very well-rounded experience. And so there is a divine matrix that exists uh, in, in your universe. And as you move through sectors of space, you go through specific archetypal patterns of development. And um, you, you can see this as you go through each of your sectors in the zodiac. There are certain things that you work on as you move through it. And then you go up and you have years and grand years and grand cycles. And, you know, there are certain lessons that come along with each one of those. As Wendy mentioned, you had Atlantis and it was in a different cycle. It wasn't time to go through the full ascension process yet. There were lessons that were still to be learned through that specific cycle. And now here you are at the end of um, what we would refer to more as kind of a mega cycle because mm -hmm. it is the finishing and the completion of, um, of a stellar cycle and that your sun is going through its own growth process. Your sun is going through its own ascension process. So, you know, think about how you have your years, uh, and your birthdays of source. Um, and, and this is a big one for your son as she's going through her own developmental process and you along with it. All the planets in your solar system are going through big changes right now, and that information is being suppressed um, because that would get you questioning things. What's happening? And it would have you look outside. It would have you look out to the greater cosmic uh, connection. And so a lot of the information about the planetary changes within your solar system are being suppressed, and you're just being told, oh, Earth is going through changes. You know, it's climate change. Humans are doing it. Not, not not the truth. Mm. You've mentioned there are also seven major star systems with which Earth closely aligns to, that yes. being Arcturus, Lyria, Sirius, Orion, Cassiopeia, Andromeda, and the Pleiades. I'm really interested to know if 
this is just out of curiosity are there your own zodiac systems in the other star systems that sort of also influence in that sense sort of like as we have our zodiac here in in this galaxy does it work in others as well in other star systems they may have slightly different um divisions the way that they divide things up and you'll see this with different civilizations as well um how they like to break things down and, and while we're talking about it people always ask so we'll we'll talk about it in terms of dimensional structure we look at it in terms of having 12 dimensions and then within that there are different divisions so you might hear some people say you've got 144 dimensions it's all in the breakdown and how you want to look at it but for us again we're back to 12 um we're looking at it in terms of a particular frequency range. And so it is, you know, there are certain frequencies that you work with with each zodiac sign. Um, so different civilizations may break it down differently. But at the end of the day, it's the same stuff that all of you will walk through. Mm -hmm. So in answer to your question, is it identical? No. Do you work through the same stuff as you go through an entire cycle? Yes. Make sense? Yes. And you talked about Atlantis. You, you were going to say something. Well, just that also understand that there are other civilizations that don't have the emotional range that you have on this planet. They might have a handful of emotions that they go through in a developmental process. And they may choose, a civilization may choose to really focus on particular energies. Let's take Cassiopeia, for example. Cassiopeia, the archetypal pattern from that system is all about beauty and artistry and creation. And so they really, really honed in on that energy. And then they move through their, their archetypal patterns within that narrow expression of that energy. It's not quite as vast as the way that you all might manifest these, these variations. Um, you've got so many more ways to, to explore. Think of it like having Legos to build with. If you've got a hundred Legos, there are only so many things that you can build, but if you've got a hundred thousand Legos, there's so many interesting things that you can, can create and generate. And so it is with emotions and the point of focus in, in what it is that you want to manifest in for, for earth, because it has all this genetic material, it has all of the exploration, all of the knowledge and wisdom from these species who donated the genetic material. And we're not just talking about humans, the genetic material, you've got five seed races that donated their material for, for you. But then you've got all this aquatic life and, and terrestrial life, um, especially with the aquatic life, you barely scratch the surface to <laughs> all the aquatic life. You, you don't really understand what's Let's dive into that, no pun intended. <laughs> yes. The aquatic um, life. Well, you started with the turtles, so here we are. We're bringing it back around. Um, so with, with that life, there are many experiments going on, hybrid projects that are going on with other species on your planet. They are under your oceans, their, their ships, and they are engaging with some of this aquatic life because they have an ancestral connection with it. Their genetic material is a part of this life form. It may look vastly different. Um, you know, one planet might have spiders that are eight feet tall 
and then your spiders here are a minute. Um, but that genetic material is there. And when they are accessing the information that is contained within the energetic field of that insect, they can actually access all the information in a more direct way of everything that's occurred on planet Earth. So it's that holographic nature of things. Um, and, you know, there are many species who really aren't interested in what humanity is doing so much. They're more interested in the aquatic life and, and what's going on there and how those species are living and, and interacting. And, um, you know, humanity is not their, their first curiosity. Hmm. All right. Um, we know we went off on a bit of a tangent. Yeah. What We want to make sure we answered your question. Yeah. So... Um, can you rephrase it one more time? Yes. And will we ever begin to start uncovering all these things that are going on under the water and humanity is going to begin interacting with this aquatic life, the ships, maybe even civilizations that you're, that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but and anything under that, will we on the surface world begin to start interacting with that as well? Yeah. So, you know, the period that you're in now from, from really 2019 to 2026, we call the frequency wars. Yeah. You're in the middle of it. Um, and there's, there are beings who are vying for control of your energy and where your energy is being focused. And we don't tell you that to instill fear. We tell you that so you can become aware of where you may be surrendering your energy without question and start looking at that and owning your energy and and shifting it. So as you get to 2024, um, your humanity as a whole is going to begin to see some of these patterns that have been repeated over and over and over again. And, and finally you're saying, yes, this really is not working for us anymore. All right. And you're, you will start to have um, more directed collective voice and um, start taking some of your power back. And by the time you get to 2026, you'll be on a new pathway. Mm. Um, so while you look out at the state of the world and um, you you might think, oh, you know, this doesn't look very good. We see it as a very positive time that, that it doesn't have to play out the way that you are being told it's going to play out. You decide the energy that you would like to see manifest in the world and you hold that energy, you hold that vision, and then you live in that space. Whatever you would like to see for the world, live in that energy in your life and be the beacon for others, be the way shower for others. So as you get to 2026, um, we see some major shifts happening because your, um, your, Shift in consciousness happens when some of your energy is freed up, all right? When you start looking at your part in the galactic community, the first question you ask is, how are you all getting around? What is your energy source? And, and when you start having free energy, it radically changes a society. And that's what will be coming more as you get uh, to 2026, all right? Um, so, so what we would say here is that once you start seeing your place in the greater community, um, there are many of us who have been kind of watching what's been going on. We've kind of been 
we won't say in the shadows um, because you all are seeing us, you're seeing our ships and stuff, but we're not acting, interacting with you all in a very direct way um, because it would generate too much fear for the collective right now. As you go over the course of the next several years and you start opening more and more to your perception of what's happening out in the cosmos, um, it's not such a frightful thing because you've also gone through this period where you've had to take your power back. And you've done that at the human-to-human -human level. So as you've taken your power back at the human-to-human -human level, it is not so scary when you start interacting with ETs. If you're not standing in your power here, human-to-human, -human, you're not going to be able to do it with ETs. As above, so below. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's just a reflection. So any fears you might have about connecting with ETs, you've got the same fear about connecting with other human beings. So look at that. Look at what's happening on the very human level. Heal that and you'll be standing in your power so that when other ETs show up, um, you can have a much more um, exciting um, engagement with them you won't be so fearful. So that's coming. And that will help you in terms of understanding more about your galactic history, uh, about your stellar brothers and sisters. But first, you've got to own your power. You've got to step back in it. And as we said, those who want to support you, those who uh, are beings of the highest frequency, aren't going to interfere with you. They're waiting for you to come up all right, they're not coming down to fix it for you because that's that's not really helping you to grow. Yeah. Doing it for you isn't going to help you. You have to learn to do it yourself. We can be of support to you along the way, the way that we are, but you've got to do the heavy lifting. Yes. All right? And there are some issues that we all, every single human works through. And again, back to the seven, you've mentioned this before, that there are these seven issues that we all work through, that being control, trust, manipulation, safety, security, approval, abandonment. And you call this sort of like the apex of all that is separation from source energy, which is humanity's right. core wound. So I would love to have you take us through these seven issues that we all work through so that we can realize that we're all the same stuff different mask as you've said again i think that would help um neutralize a lot of the differences we see in others and maybe even the the wars on the you know more higher perspective that's going on right well, now. well and, and that's just it so you know you all want to take sides in a war but at the end of the day it's everybody wants the same thing you all want the same thing you just think that there's a different way to get there and that's what the conflict is about. So if you can start to listen to what other people, you know, what they're really saying, you'll find at the end of the day, you want the same thing. So um, when you do that, you don't feel threatened. Um, when you're operating out of the ego mind, you're in programs of lack, limitation, and separation, there is a finite amount of resource. That's an illusion. The universe is infinite in its ability to create and generate and when you move back into that heart-centered space, you recognize that infinite abundance is available to you. So whether you're fighting over a natural resource um, or, you know, a, con a control mechanism, why are people trying to control? Because they're trying to guard resources or they're trying to make sure that they're safe. So, you know, it all does come back to these, these same basic things that you just mentioned, the seven that you mentioned. 
as you get towards the top, so you've got, you know, a little more at the bottom, approval, acceptance. Um, and then as you, as you go, safety and security are up towards the top there. Um, control, trust, manipulation, those go hand in hand. Um, because if you're, if you're not feeling that you are trusting in yourself or trusting in the universe, you're going to want to control things. You're going to want to try to manipulate the outcome. So not only are you manipulating the way that you're thinking and acting, but you may want to try to manipulate others to get in line with the way that you believe so that you feel safe because at the top of that pyramid is safety and security. Um, you know, as you get towards the top and then ultimately you're not feeling safe or secure because you're separate from source. All right. You're not remembering that divine connection. And as you go into that heart-centered space, all of those problems that you think you have, they're really non-problems. They're just a challenge that you created. And when you created the challenge, you also created the solution because you live in a dualistic universe. So you always create both sides of that coin and they're just in different vibrational ranges. So when you're in the limited operating system of the mind, you are um, vibrating with that lower essence, all right, that, um, that we'll call it for sake of duality, the negative side of the coin, the challenge, as it were. And then when you go into the heart-centered space, you ac- you're able to access higher energy and you will have a, a more positive expression that you can access because it's higher in frequency, but you can't get there unless you go through the heart center. All right. Mm. Um, we talked about the release of judgment, that things aren't necessarily good, bad, right, wrong. They're just vibrational expressions. That's it. What you deem as being negative is also part of source energy. So you have to accept the validity of its existence. It doesn't mean that you want to put your energy into it and live and engage with that frequency, but you're not making it wrong because when you make it wrong, you want to make it separate from you. You're trying to make half of source energy separate from you. And so you cut off half of source energy from the flow through your energetic field. Oh, I don't like that thing. I want to be separate from it. So when you start to work more with the heart-centered space and accept things, well, it's a valid expression of frequency. I just choose not to align with the frequency. You're not trying to make it separate from you. You're acknowledging it. You are bringing it in as part of the whole. And so at that point, the full force of source can flow through you. And, you know, as you do that, you are no longer feeling that wound of separation. All right. You are connected to the full force of flow with source. And this is where you're moving back to. Um, It's very easy right now for you all to watch the news. And it doesn't matter whether it is alternative news or mainstream news. It's very focused on the negative. Yeah. Here's what's broken. Here's what's wrong. And you're fed a steady diet of that instead of um, potentials. What do you want to create instead? And it can be very um, disheartening for you all. You might feel uh, a bit hopeless, uninspired, stuck. And so as you start to go into this heart-centered space and you're reconnecting with source energy, everything underneath it in terms of that pyramid, in in terms of feeling safety and security, control, manipulation, um, trust, all that is 
accessible to you in the heart center. You trust in yourself. You control. The only thing you really control is your response. You can't control the external. Uh, and there's no need to manipulate because really, if you're going to manipulate anything, it's your frequency. You're going to alter your frequency in order to shift what is perceivable to you, where you are in vibrational alignment, because like attracts like. So um, what you're pulsing out is what gets reflected back to you. And um, when you're in that heart-centered space, uh, you are elevating to the solution energy, as it were. And so then all things become possible. And the more that you, our apologies, dear, um, the more that you become, um, the more that you live in this heart-centered space, the more that that energy can flow to you, the more inspired you will be, the more hits, ideas, awarenesses you will have of things that you can do to put yourself into physical alignment. There may be actions that you need to take. There may be shifts in consciousness, ways of thinking. There may be emotions that you want to let go of. We'll talk about that very briefly because it's really important right now because so many people are coming up with emotions um, uh, and they don't know what to do with them. So it is important that you process through your emotions and it's very easy to do. Give yourself permission to objectively observe what is happening. So where does that emotion sit in the body? What's happening with the body? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it tingly? Is it numb? What's happening in terms of the emotions? Give it a label. Anger feels different than frustration, which feels different than rage. And um, then what quality of thought is going on? All right. Where are your thoughts? And uh, maybe that the quiet you might not have any thoughts because you're observing, all right? You might find that the thoughts become active as you get lost in the story of it. You know, you're looking at what's been created and why it's been created, but we want to keep you in an objective state. The longest that you can sit with that energy is about 45 seconds. So um, if you find that you're sitting in that energy longer and it's not dissipating, it's because you're getting lost in the story. You're trying to project into the future, rooting around in the past. So as you are just allowing it to be, it's going to feel like mist where you just can't hang on to it. All right. It's, it's just going to dissipate. And you might have to go through several rounds of this. If it's something that's old and, and has been there for a while, you might feel it dissipate. And then you might notice, oh, I'm feeling this way again. And then give yourself permission to feel objectively. And that will help you to process through emotion very rapidly. What happens is as you experience emotion and you don't like the way that it feels, you stop the flow. Source was meant to flow in and out. So it, this energy is now stuck in the body. And remember what we said, your energetic body creates the physical template. So this starts showing up as disease in the body. The template is, is holding onto stuck energy. And so the energy in the cells can't flow. And as you access a frequency, every instance of having access that frequency now has the opportunity to flow out. It's, it's like the key in the door. Uh, the door can be unlocked and open and everything can flow out. So this is also sometimes why you feel like your emotions are way out of whack for, for the situation that's at hand. Um, you might be having a conversation with a friend and you find yourself activated 
And on a scale of one to 10, you might have a very strong reaction. You might find that on an emotional level, it's about a seven or an eight. And when you look at it logically, you're like, why am I so upset about this? Logically, it doesn't make sense. I should maybe be slightly annoyed, but not furious. That's because you've suppressed that frequency over and over and over again. And now you are bringing it up. You're feeling it. Um, in in an increased amplitude so that you can process it. You can see it now. And it is affording you the opportunity to open that doorway so all those other oppor- uh, other experiences of that same frequency that you stuff down can come out. All right? We know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent, so we want to make sure. Was there anything it's, in there that you want to come back around to? It's all connected. And, you know, there's one thing that, around that topic of emotions and i've heard you very speak very little on this is you know obviously when you mentioned that you are in light bodies and haven't experienced or are not experiencing right now these physical bodies but there is one experience that is like a ultimate heightened emotion that us as humans feel but there's a lot of taboo around that and that is the orgasm you know, when we're in that state, how can we, or what is the significance of this heightened frequency, this heightened emotion that we feel when we're in intimate connection with another human being and soul? Well, it's not even with another person. It's it's really within yourself because what's happening is all the energetic centers in your body are opening up mm-hmm. and the full force of source energy is flowing through you. So in that instant, that's what you're feeling is the full force of source running through you. It is that pure creative energy. And you could actually stay in this energy all day long if you could stay in your heart center. <laughs> if I could stay seated. <laughs> yes. So it's not, you know, it, it we, would, we were going to use some specific words, but <laughs> we take it in the wrong way. So um, it, it comes down to um, you being energetically open and then because your energy field is open you will have a physical reaction all right and as sexual beings and using that creative spark it is really um harnessed and focused in um the genital area because that is how you procreate but it can be used not just for procreation but that that creative force energy can be used for anything um, it just so happens that um, it's been kind of co-opted in the in the way that you use that energy uh, for its lower base nature, as opposed to a higher expression of energy that could be used. Mm. How does it get but misused? But you can stay in that again, dear. How does it get misused? Um, in um, in abuse. All right, using that sexual energy in a way for abuse victims um, where it's used in a very low way where people get sexually aroused when others are wounded or hurt. They're using that power energy. Um, Pedophiles, sex trafficking, a lot of that um, ritualistic abuse uh, happens in those areas. Um, And it's used in a very low, very base nature. And also just in general, in terms of your, um, the way that your society uses sexual energy, it's very casual. It's not sacred. 
you're not using it in the highest way possible. It's, it's just a way to have a physical release. It's not used in a spiritual way, which will open up more of your energy. You can expand your energetic field. You're using it in just the, the most simplistic way possible. Mm. And one of the last questions I had is right now regarding the new children that are coming into the planet right now and we've been told that in this physical vessel we can only access the five senses and sometimes even less and i'd love to ask you what is going on in terms of opening us up to the new senses and what are exactly the senses that we're going to be activating maybe even the children of now are beginning to activate and already come in wired in their in their dna what are we seeing um, for the future of humanity in that sense with the senses? Well, you're already seeing it. It's just that um, the labels that are being put on it are, are um, and you're not knowing how to deal with it. So a lot of the children are coming in hypersensitive. And there are lots of reasons for this. Some of it has to do with the chemicals, but uh, in your environment that are creating physical sensitivities. But at the end of the day, there is an elevation that's also happening in consciousness. So it's it's not just necessarily a negative, but there are some positive outcomes as a result of it. Um, but you don't necessarily know how to relate to some of these children, children who are autistic. They are accessing a lot more of the subtle energy. And this is, this is creating a lot of sensitivity in their bodies. Um, think about it this way. Their antenna uh, are very attuned and so the signal that's coming in for you or, or what would be considered a quote unquote normal person, uh, would have on a scale of one to 10, the volume be up maybe around a 10. All right. For them, it's about 10,000. So it's, it's just too much. They don't know how to turn the volume down. They, they don't know how to regulate it just yet. So when some of the toxins get removed from the body, um, and the body is functioning in a better way, then they actually can process. Um, they can self-regulate in a better way um, when the cells can perform in an optimal way. When the cells aren't performing properly um, because of some of the toxins in the body, it it creates almost like a static um, and and the signal, they don't know what to do with it exactly either. All right. Um, so when that signal gets cleared up, then the instructions get through and they know what to do. Hmm. Thank you, Pease. And but as you go, we'll also say this, as you go, all of you are bringing online more and more of your gifts, skills, and abilities. Um, and it is, it is all about subtle energy. So get a practice for yourself. Um, check in first thing in the morning, set an intention. What do you want to create? How do you want to feel? And then as you go through the day, check back in. Are you in that, in resonance with that frequency that you wanted to experience? And if not, reset yourself. Hmm. So maybe you want to experience peace today. What would peace feel like in your body? You might have a lot of chaos going on in your life. So if you say, I am peaceful, there might be a part of you that's okay with that statement for a moment. And then, you know, about 10 seconds in that ego mind gets busy and says, yeah, I wish I've got this problem and that problem. But as you, um, as you say, I wonder what it would feel like to be peaceful. And you imagine that 
The ego mind does not get triggered in the same way. So whether you say I am this thing, or I wonder what it would feel like to be this thing, the body doesn't care. The energetic field doesn't care. You'll, you will be in resonance with the frequency. So sometimes it's easier right now for you, instead of using the I am statement to use, I wonder what it would feel like to experience fill in the blank. And that will put you back in resonance with it and just keep coming back throughout the day. Am I in resonance with that? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's some twist, uh, some tweaking that needs to happen in the energetic field. All right. So, um, you know, a practice doesn't have to be complicated and there are lots of different practices that will serve you in different ways. But if you don't have one, find one. Yeah. And there is a practice that bypasses the ego mind directly. And that is what you call the spiritual technology of the language of a light. If you'd love to maybe give us a brief overview of what that is, how we can experience it on a daily basis. So the language of light is source's language, and it's comprised of light, sound, sacred geometry, and cosmic information. So it's, there, are, there are lots of carrier waves in it, if you will. And it speaks directly to you, the divine being of light, having this physical experience. So it bypasses the traditional language centers of the brain. And what it does is it provides a reference point for frequency. So imagine somebody asking you to sing the note of C. If you don't have perfect pitch, it's very difficult difficult for you to pluck that out of the air and reproduce it. But if somebody plays the note on the piano, then you say, oh, that note, all right, I can, I can copy that. I can reproduce that. It's much, much easier. And so as you're presented with the language of light, it is giving you a reference point so that you can reorganize your energetic field and match the resonance. You are doing the heavy lifting. You are shifting. And, you know, this is important for all of you to know. It doesn't matter uh, what healer you go to. A healer is just holding space for you and pointing frequency out. You are always in the driver's seat. You are always the one who is healing yourself you are shifting your energetic field. Because even if somebody did go into your energetic field and shift things around, which is really, again, not possible unless you're saying, all right, go ahead and do it. You're still in the driver's seat with that. But if you didn't want to embody that frequency, you go right behind it and right behind them and shift it right back. So you are the ultimate authority on your health and well-being. You are the one who's in the driver's seat and you can shift your energy in any given moment. It is as simple as going back to the heart-centered space. Think of something that makes you smile. All right, that's it. And most of you will feel expanded, uplifted, tingly when you find the right image. Now, you won't stay there. You'll go up, you'll drop out. You'll go up, you'll drop out. But hopefully every time you go up, you go a little higher, stay there a little longer. And every time you drop out, you don't drop as far and you recognize it faster. So the language of light just gives you a reference point of where you can go. And, you know, um, we're happy to do an activation for you. We know that you were interested in helping to activate stewardship within those on the planet. And, you know, if there's anything else that you want us to focus on, we can add that in there. But before we do that, let us say this. There are many galactic beings who are present when Wendy does this work. And when they blend their energy with ours, with Wendy's, what will happen is in the encoding is the information of how they have walked the path that you're currently on. There may be a frequency that they struggled with at an individuated level or at a collective level, and they are sharing the how-to. It's like somebody giving you a recipe. 
if you've never baked a cake and you, you're not really sure what goes in it and you're not really sure what to do with the ingredients, not the best cake ever. But if somebody gives you a recipe you can follow, uh, you know, it's, it's much, much easier. And so that's what happens. And you might notice as we do the activation that the energy will shift. And it's these beings, sometimes it's not just one, it's not one collective. There may be a hundred collectives that are blended. So the energy can be very, very different. So that's how the language of light works. Beautiful. And I would just add to that, that you mentioned stewardship. And I think to be in full stewardship, we have to recognize the divine self. And that is exactly what the language of light talks to is that divine being of light that we are. So I am more than open to create that sacred space for, for you to come through with that language and those codes and tell people to get ready. <laughs> well, there's nothing that you need to know or do. So just take a nice deep breath, relax, and we'll see where we go here. Take a nice deep breath. Take another nice deep breath. And when you're ready, you can bring your presence back to the room. So there you have the language of light. Beautiful. So we will say this about it. Typically, what we recommend is that you work with it three times a day for three days in a row. And the reason we say that is because at that point, it gives you a, a good awareness of the subtle energies so that as you are holding it, you recognize it and you can recognize when you're not in it. And you can recognize as it shows up in front of you opportunities to align with that energy. So if it's stewardship and you're focused on that, then you might find that opportunities will show up for you to be a steward, to be a way shower. And it might not be something that you thought about doing, but here it is. And for whatever reason, you feel like, Ooh, I'm drawn to this. This, this feels really good. And I want to follow it. So that's what happens is you work with this energy. Now you can come back and you can listen to the video again, or it is recorded now in your energetic field. So you can imagine connecting with this again. It doesn't matter either way you go. As humans, you think that what you can hear is 
a bit more valid. It's real. Uh, and if it's your imagination, then you think, oh, well, is, is this happening? I'm, I'm not really sure. We're telling you it is. You're, you're aligning with the frequency. So it doesn't really matter, but set some time aside to reconnect with this energy, to be in the energy again, pull it from your energetic field. All right? Yes. And whenever Wendy is feeling ready to come back, just with an open heart, thank you so much, Peas. We appreciate you from the heart. And all the messages you've shared have come from the most sacred place and we receive fully. It has been our pleasure to be able to connect with you. And you can connect with us directly. You don't need Wendy. Just ground yourself. Imagine connecting with Mother Earth. Put yourself in your heart center. Think of something that makes you smile. Ask your question. What is it that you're curious about? Because when you get specific about your questions, it makes all of us on the other side, um, it, it allows us to help you in a, in a greater way. Because when you just say, what do I need to know? We have to sift through and see how the information is going to impact you. And it, it, it makes it a bit more complex because we, we don't want to interfere with your growth. But if you're saying, I want this information, it makes it much easier. So the more specific you can get with your questions, the more detailed we get with our answers. So ask your question, listen, and it might seem like your imagination at first, but go with it. Ask for confirmation if you need it. And if you have something come up and you say, oh, I wonder if this is my confirmation. It might be repeated numbers. It might be somebody else saying the same information somewhere else. Maybe you're standing in line for coffee and you overhear um, the same information being um, shared. Then trust it. Because if you wonder if it's your confirmation, then it is. Because otherwise the thought would not cross your mind. All right. So until we hear from you, we are around, we are watching, we are waiting, and we are sending many, many well wishes. Much love. To you as well, dear. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi. So there you have it, the peas. Welcome back. How are you feeling? Good. I'm a little spacey after it. Yeah. <laughs> it may take me a minute to fully come back. Does it recharge you? It does. And it's it's interesting because, um, you know, there have been times where I've been sick. And especially when I used to do private sessions, I don't do those anymore. But um, I would still do the sessions because when their energy came through, I would feel just fine. And I'd, I'd actually feel really good. And then it would, wouldn't be until after the session that I kind of go back to where I was Um as I'm just working with my own personal energy, but when they're present, uh, yeah, it definitely is a, a, it's a different frequency that I access. Uh, have you learned to then sustain the frequency after the channeling and bring it into your daily life afterwards? I think so. I think at this point, um, you know, I certainly am more attuned with that. It doesn't mean that I don't go through my own stuff, but yeah. I've, I've spent so much time in their energy. Um, for so long. And, you know, I had to build up stamina. When I first started channeling, I could go for about five minutes wow. and then I would pass out. I, you know, I'd fall asleep on my notebook. Um, and so over time, I just had to build that stamina up. And I think, you know, we all do that as we, as we kind of grow, we can hold that energy longer and longer. Does, does it have to do a lot with your nervous system, the way that you train that, or is it more like your energetic body? I think it's both. Yeah, I think because um, I have had experiences when I was doing private sessions, I channeled way too much and ran way too much energy through my nervous system. Um, I think in 
in a two week period, I had channeled like 40 hours, which was insane. Um, looking back now and I learned a a great lesson. I was like, okay, that's way too much energy to run through my, my nervous system today. I could probably do it, but you know, this was 10, 15 years ago. Um, but I still wouldn't want to do it, but yes, definitely. There's, there's an aspect of it affecting your nervous system and your energetic field. And, you know, we're, as channels, we color the information because we're interpreting the frequency and we have to do that through our own experiences and how objective can we be? So, you know, the guides will always say, take what resonates with you and leave the rest behind because the information itself is colored by their perspective. And then it's colored by my perspective as I interpret the information or the frequency that they're sharing. And then it's interpreted by you. So, you know, there's, there's some morphing in the information, the way that we consciously process it. The information itself, as we experience it, is pretty pure. But as we're translating it into language, it, it certainly is colored through all of our filters. So, um, you know, that's just something to keep in mind. If something resonates with you, um, you know, let it great. And if it doesn't let it go. And it's interesting because I've had people come back to me and one person in particular, when I was doing a private session, they said, you know, I had my session and I thought, God, she didn't answer any of the questions, (laughs) you know? Mm. And she said, she went back and listened to the recording and she said, wow, okay, that's interesting. I didn't hear it that, you know, what they said when I first listened. And then she came back to it a year later and she realized that the guides answered every single question that she asked. She just couldn't hear it in that moment. So she had to go through her own developmental process. So that's why the guides say, if it doesn't resonate, let it go. And if it is information that you need, it's going to come back around either in the same form. You might hear a recording again, or it might come in a different form and in a different way where you can receive it. So, you know, you're never really going to miss it. It will find its way to you when you're ready to really receive it. Yeah, it, maybe we need to have some seeds planted before that. Yeah, and it happens even for me with books, for example, where I'll read a certain book and I'll be like, "Oh, yeah, like it was helpful." But then I'll read it again like a year or two later as my consciousness has expanded, and then I'm here reading the book like, "Wow, this is speaking directly to my soul." So I recommend people going back to things that they know were useful, but maybe they didn't get it completely at the time. And it's just a matter of the timing, right? Where we're at at the moment, what we need to receive. Yeah. And, you know, we're like, oh, I get that concept now. Might have been a big stretch at the beginning. (laughs) And now you're like, oh, I understand that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That just reinforces what I know now. Has that happened to you specifically with something that the peas have came through and now you're just beginning to, okay, I understand it way more in depth now. Has that happened to you recently? You know, their message really hasn't changed. So I think so. I mean, I, I think I get things on a deeper and deeper level and, and have over the years. Like I certainly got it at the surface level at the beginning. And I think that's the difference between understanding something in theory and embodying it and able yes. to practice something more. And and I think, again, back to that word practice, I think we have to practice it you know, um, living it in the moment. And, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a big fail. (laughs) I may not, it's like, oh, I could have done better in that moment and having that awareness. And then that, you know, we have a situation that will come up again and we'll be more aware. It was like, okay, last time that didn't go very well. So how can I show up differently this time? Mm 
Um, so I, I definitely think that's shifted for me. And some of the concepts at the beginning, like I, I can remember looking at a book. Um, I had a Seth book before I started, I think it was before I started to channel and it was pretty weighty for me. Like I could not make my way through it. And, and to this day, I still haven't read the whole book just because I think for me, once I started channeling, I wanted to make sure I was getting all my information from my guides. I wasn't being colored by everybody else's perspective, but I went back and I remember looking at it and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is everything the guys have talked about. And I got it and it was easy for me, but you know, it, I, I had to go through my own development and my own process of absorption. How do I take this information and integrate it? Yeah. And, and even if this serves as confirmation, I feel like my mission here with this podcast is sort of being a curator to bring these teachings together. And I see so many patterns with what the P's are coming through with other teachers, other information that I've heard out there. Like it's very aligned and I feel like it's all coming from a, a similar source. It's all coming from that one source. So it's a very clear channel that you have trained yourself and really put in the work to be. Um, that was actually for people that well, don't know, your intention was to be a clear conduit. And, you know, I really honor that mission. Really, really amazing and beautiful to see and witness. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And Wendy, we end every podcast with a segment we call the final trio, which are just rapid fire questions that you could answer in any way that you want. Uh, But before that, people are going to want to connect with you even deeper, learn a bit more about your work. Where would you send them to uh, connect with you and your teachings? Uh, You can find us over at higherfrequencies.net. And then in terms of social media, you can find us on Facebook, um, Twitter and Instagram were HGR frequencies. That's plural. So you'll find us on all those platforms as well. Yeah. And for people that can, they can check into the description. All the links are going to be there. And also with the light, uh, the light language, we will create timestamps for this episode so they can just go directly. If they want to come back to it and listen it to it during the three day period, they can go directly and listen to that segment. Um, so the final trio, these are questions that are personalized to the guest. And the final one, we ask uh, all of our guests. And the first one is, which new beings and frequencies are coming through for you right now? There is a new being that has wanted to come in for the last two years. They told me he was coming in and there's new information that he's bringing. So, um, and I just had a lot going on personally and with my family and, and, um, so I haven't really had a chance to dive as deep into that as I want. Um, so yeah, and I, he's a higher dimensional being, I would say he's probably 12th dimensional. So, um, I'm looking forward to that, but I, I really can't tell you too much about that. Um, cause I'm still figuring that one out, yeah. <laughs> but and you sort of just yeah, make the, the intention to connect with him and, and yeah. comes through. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, everything's in divine timing. Um, the right guides show up at the right time when you're in the right space. And I have different guides for different things. I have a guide who shows up for health. Um, when I do my, my affirmations and my meditations, I have a group from Sirius who shows up to do those. So, um, you know, I trust that the right, the right ones are going to be there. Yes. Divine timing. 
The second question is, what advice would you leave behind for the next generation of channelers and people that want to activate their multidimensionality? Mm, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, trust yourself. I think at the, it, at the beginning, it's very, very difficult um, to tell what is your ego and what is truth, at least that's kind of the story that we tell ourselves because if if we really ask and we really check in we know what the difference is in the frequency what we when our ego is coloring something and when our we're getting higher information the ego usually feels pretty flat um, when we access higher dimensional information it feels very rich kind of that example that i was giving before where you know the words are it's a nice day but there's all this other information yeah. so um, that's one thing. And also I would say that everybody has the ability to do this. It's not just a, a special few. It may not be what you do as your life's work, but it's certainly something that you can do for yourself. And maybe you want to share it with family and friends. Um, but you know, we all do it. We just do it in different ways. We might, you know, channel it into our artistic expression. Um, it may not be words that are spoken specifically from our guides, but we do channel source energy. So just trust in yourself, trust in the process. And, and it is that it is, it is a process. And the more you work with the subtle energy, the more the subtle becomes obvious. Hmm. And just to read a quote of yours, you've said, I define channeling as bringing in energy and translating it into recognizable form, speaking, dancing, writing, drawing, any other creative expression. We all do it throughout the day without being conscious of it. One simply has to choose the station and turn up the volume. So that's what channeling is. It's not some mystical topic. We're literally bringing that divine energy into form and that looks many different ways. So the last question we have for you, hopefully not the last, I would love to do this again, Wendy. Beautiful energy and information coming through. This question we call it the time capsule question. So it sort of requires us to travel a bit out into the future, looking beyond 2026, around 2030, between 2030, 2040. And this is a time when the young generations of now are going to be stepping into leadership positions around the world and they're going to be stewarding in this new earth and in this time capsule they're going to have the opportunity to open and you are going to have the opportunity to put every anything in there in this time capsule that you feel will allow these next generation of leaders to be best equipped to carry out the new earth this could be beyond your imagination. Anything doesn't only have to fit in one time capsule. It could be energetic or in form. What would you include in there? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a toughie. Um, I don't know. I suppose it would probably just be the body of work that the Pleiadians have shared um, their message. Um, you know, just back to basics. And it, I don't think it matters how advanced we get. I think all roads lead back to the same basic stuff. All paths all lead inward. <laughs> uh, I can't that's, see. That, it's all on the that's, blurry stuff. That's the motto for this podcast. <laughs> Beautiful. So I, I think that's it. You know, it's just a reminder to go inside. 
Um, we don't really need a lot of external stuff, you know, so it's just a reminder to return to the divine inside. Yes. Well, I honor you so much, Wendy, for your time, for your beautiful wisdom. And I know that a lot of people are going to be tuning into this and, and getting information that their soul needs to hear. So I would just open, you know, open the space for people to receive this, let it integrate, come back to it when they need it. And, you know, we'll be here hopefully for another round just to keep the conversation going. And just thank you so much for everything. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Much love.